0: Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the book called We Don't Die A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Our guest today is someone I know from my day job. Now, you may not know this, but besides being an author and a radio show host, my mom and I own a catering business and we travel around the country with race car teams and we fuel the race car teams and the drivers with delicious food. Amen. Our, our <laughs> guest is Steve Kearney, who also fuels the teams, but in a different way. Steve's an ordained minister who works as a chaplain at racetracks since 1992 with Motorsports Ministries. He has also worked in education and public relations. In addition Steve has served as a hospice chaplain in Florida for many years. Steve is a warm and wonderful man who shared a brilliant, beautiful, just unbelievable story about his dad with me. And that's why I feel certain you need to hear his story here on We Don't Die Radio. So Steve Kearney, welcome to We Don't Die Radio.
1: Thank you, Sandra. And I hope I didn't throw you off with my amen. No. But when you talked about <laughs> the great food that you guys serve, I just had to say amen yeah. to that.
0: <laughs> That's no problem. So, yes, Mom yeah. and I just celebrated 30 years cooking at the race. I racetracks. saw the
1: sign this year at Daytona, and I thought that was so wonderful. In fact, I posted a picture of it. On my Facebook page. (laughs) I saw
0: it and I stole it for my Facebook page. So, Steve, (laughs) thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being, you know, the difference that you make at the racetracks. And Mm -hmm. and I just love that we finally got to connect here and have this conversation and and record it for the show. Mm -hmm. So I know you a little bit, probably a lot more there's to know about you. But if you wouldn't mind um, telling our listeners where you are maybe right now and a little bit of your history that
1: brought you to where we are today sure I'll, I'll try to hurry because I can I can get bogged down in details but uh, <laughs> I'm down in Mulberry Florida which is uh, on the south side of Lakeland we're about midway between Tampa and Orlando okay. and uh love love the sunshine of our sunshine state it's beautiful here today um I uh came uh, into this world in the in the state of Illinois uh, I was born into a pastor's family, a young pastor's family as the first child, uh, later had a brother and a sister, uh, David and Debbie. And uh, my uh, dad and mom uh, were in Danville, Illinois. Uh, then we moved over to Macomb when I was about a year old. Macomb was on the west side of, of the state, and it was a university town. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, dad was the pastor of a, of a first first church type thing in, uh, uh, actually first Baptist church there in uh, Macomb. And, uh, uh, so I grew up in, in that environment. Uh, we were not real far from Burlington, Iowa, where my dad's parents lived. And, uh, we, as a child, I can have wonderful memories of going over and, and, uh, being with my grandparents. But my, my grandmother, uh, Contracted cancer uh, when she was just age uh, fifty six, Wow. and uh, she she had been a wonderful grandmother to me. She'd she'd uh, read a lot of Bible stories to me. That was one of the things she liked to do. And uh, my my grandfather was a railroad man and rode the CB and Q railroad. Somebody might know that reference: Chicago, Burlington and Quincy. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, Grandma uh, was the two of them. Uh, had had an experience with the Lord earlier in their life, had started a church, which still exists in Burlington today. And uh, anyway, uh, when she uh, was very sick in the hospital, uh, my my parents took me at a, as a six-year-old over to see her. And she had been quietly laying in the bed, not responding for a day or two. And uh, when we got there and she heard my voice, uh, she raised up her head and and spoke to me, and uh, i don 't know the words that she said. I wish I do. <laughs> I wish I still had yeah. those but uh, but anyway, uh, we left the hospital, and just a few minutes after we had left, Dad stayed. Uh, my mom and I left, but just a few minutes after we left, uh, she suddenly rose up in bed and saw something that was beyond it was like a curtain had been pulled aside. And she saw and she started talking about the beauty and the wonderful things that she was seeing. And uh, the folks that were in the room asked her what she was seeing. And she said, it's just so beautiful. It's so wonderful. It's heaven. she laid back down and she just went to heaven at that moment. Wow. And it had an, a profound impact on my dad, I believe. Uh, but uh, uh, that was just the first experience that I had with death as a child that I can ever remember Mm -hmm. and the joy of it was that my parents took some time to teach me that uh, we don't die (laughs) that that she went right on uh, to the place that she had opened her eyes and seen uh, in such a vivid and wonderful way Uh, later on uh, I I as I grew up we moved to Denver uh, Colorado Uh, I joined the Air Force in Denver uh, After Denver, we'd moved uh, a couple more times. We'd been on the West Coast and the East Coast uh, in Connecticut and in California. But I I joined the Air Force in Denver. We were back in Denver and living there. I was 21 years of age. Uh, I had attended the University of Colorado a little bit and uh, uh, ended up uh, going to uh, the country of Turkey. Uh, While I was in Turkey, I had... Uh, kind of a revival experience i as a child, I had uh put my trust in the lord, but i i I just got away completely away from spiritual things and uh was living very <laughs> much uh, uh, uh by the seat of my pants kind of life uh-huh. and uh when I was there uh, at age twenty two i I put my trust and faith in the Lord I came back to England uh from there. Uh, a great assignment, I met my wife there uh, and uh, at that time, I really began to get serious about what was god wanting from my life what mm-hmm. was what was my life going to be about and i I realized that uh when Ann and I uh, got married that we one of the commitments of our of our wedding ceremony was that we would uh, be willing to serve serve God in any way in any place. Uh, that he would uh, lead us to, and uh, that's what he's done, and that's what we've done, <laughs> so uh-huh. that's been great. Um, I came back out of the Air Force after a stint in the Netherlands uh, and went to school in Chattanooga, Tennessee, finished college and seminary there, and uh, uh, worked my way through as a uh, computer operator at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. Um, I, my first pastoral ministry uh, was uh, in Florida, but that was following uh, an itinerant ministry for two and a half years where I traveled representing uh, a mission agency uh, out of Indiana, and I traveled all over the East Coast, basically, mm-hmm. uh, speaking in churches for the the mission, and uh, then uh, ended up uh, at a pastoral ministry in Zephyr Hills, uh, Florida. Um, enjoyed that ministry very much. Uh, Went up to Flint, Michigan uh, with a pastor that I had known as his assistant uh, pastor and uh, got involved in Christian education. We started a little Bible institute. I ended up coming back and teaching in a Bible college in Florida and uh, taught there for 12 years. Uh, During those 12 years, uh, got involved in administration, continued on in, in other forms of college administration with Moody Bible Institute. Uh, for several years, and finally, uh, ended up um, during those years getting involved. That was when I first met you, Sandra. Uh, it was during those teaching years uh, and and administration years with the colleges that I got involved with motorsports and motorsports ministries. That changed my life because I my thrust began to be that I wanted to work in motorsports mm-hmm. and find that you know as best I could. For a number of years, I don't know if you remember, but I went to everything. Yes. I was at every race. Um, I did that full-time for about five years. And then my health began to uh, dog me, <laughs> and uh, I began to have some problems and, uh, with my spine and uh, arthritis. And so it slowed me down in terms of the amount of travel I could do. Mm-hmm. And uh, about 11 years ago, I I became a hospice chaplain, Uh, I went on to some, uh, some education, uh, about for clinical chaplains and, uh, I've been a hospice chaplain now for 11 years and I've continued to do the Motorsports Ministries work on a slightly pulled back direction. I'd still do about 20 events a year. So it's, uh, it's been a great great way to spend my life
0: (laughs) oh you're such a special man and and if anyone gets an opportunity to, to meet Steve he is so loving he's just one of those people that you know the moment you meet him that you're safe with him you're loved I mean he really is extraordinary and always a smile on his face Mm-hmm. and yeah. and love i mean that's that's how i feel when i'm with you and thank you well, steve we'll get into that. some of your hospice work in a, in a little while but yeah. um just just a real big acknowledgement uh, for um being there and being part of hospice and uh, making such a difference for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, special people work with hospice and I, and I know you're special and I, <laughs> I can only imagine just some of the stories you have of, of being with families and people. So.
1: I really have appreciated that opportunity, Sandra.
0: Yeah, you definitely, Steve. If mm-hmm. I can ask um, to you to repeat the story that you told me about your father, because that I would gave like to do that. Sure, goosebumps from um, the
1: head down well, to be, the toe. Can I? Can I start with just one thing prior sure. to that? Of course. Um, I, I think would be important. I, I, as a pastor, and uh, of course at, later on as a chaplain, uh, I, I came at this thing of believing in life after death, um, I came at it mainly from my studies of the Scriptures. I'd, mm-hmm. I spent many, many years of uh, both uh, uh, Bible study uh, personally uh, before I ever went to college and seminary, uh, then <clears throat> through the seminary years, tried to formalize all that, and, uh, then in, once I got out of seminary, the real education started, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, where you, you actually begin to interact with people and work with them. And what I found, Sandra, was that I, I had a belief in life after death based upon my faith in God, my trust in Him and uh, some of the wonderful promises that he'd made uh, to his disciples, you know, where he said, uh, if I go, I'll prepare a place for you, and and I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Uh-huh. Uh, that's probably one of the most common promises that we find in the scriptures about heaven. I, I, I hear it used at funerals all the time, you know, from John. John chapter 14. And uh there were there were uh, there are many things that that pop into my mind when I think about this. But I came at my my came by those beliefs mostly through the Bible study and and applying uh scriptures to how we live and how we conduct our lives. And I and I was always encouraged uh, greatly by the the wonderful promises that God has made that when we know the lord we we have hope that is based in in him that we will be with him and that where he is there will also be and so that has been my hope through the years and uh i i had that and then in 1991 about may i got a call uh i was teaching at the bible college uh and and i got a phone call uh saying that dad had gone into the hospital that he was really, really sick. He had pancreatic cancer, been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he needed to have something done immediately. Uh, I was released from my classes. Uh, we were just coming into a uh, sort of a break period between uh, semesters, and I, I, I was able to leave a little early, and I flew out to Denver. My, uh, my, my wife and kids uh, remained in in Florida, but I flew out to Denver, and. Uh, stayed with my family for a couple weeks and during that time my dad had what was known as the Whipple surgery. Uh, today Whipple surgeries are pretty um, pretty well honed and, and I, in my hospice work I meet a lot of people who will tell me, well I, have, I had pancreatic cancer but I had a Whipple surgery. I've gotten through it and that's been 12 years ago or something. Wow. Uh, back that, in too. those days uh, nobody with pancreatic cancer had a positive story to tell. It was just a case of, is it going to be a month or is it going to be two months? Uh, We knew it wasn't going to be long. And the Whipple surgery was brand new at that time. It was the first time dad's surgeon uh, who did cancer surgery all the time. It was his very first crack at it. And uh, there was actually a surgical team, several of them. And it was, he went on for 14 hours. It was quite a, a day and an ordeal for him and for our family. And, uh, of course, I had, I had as the oldest son and as the pastor in the family, uh, I, I kind of assumed the role as, uh, you know, protector of the, of my, my mom and my sister and my brother and, and, uh, the one that, uh, was going to lead everyone else in the family, you know, uh, in prayer and the various things that we had. Uh, I was just the oldest male left in the family at that mm-hmm. time, so uh, that was my role that I that I felt uh, I had. And um, during that time, uh, Dad came through the surgery. Uh, he began a recovery. It wasn't an easy recovery. He a couple times he hemorrhaged blood, and and there were various things that happened and and all. But Dad basically staged a recovery uh, from May of 1991. Until December of 1991, uh, during that time, my dad led a uh, uh, a fifth or sixth. I've been beating my head around trying to figure out, but uh, another trip <laughs> uh, where he was the uh, the one who uh, directed a group of people to the Holy Land, to Israel, and to uh the the lands uh, of uh Egypt and and a variety of places that were all biblically related mm-hmm. and dad was the one who taught uh the significance of the biblical uh accounts uh of all those places and then they would have a guide that would show them around and and uh, there were pictures of uh my sister and and my my parents uh, uh on a on a uh, camel and various things like that, you know, I had snuck into one of those trips that they made uh, back in 1968 uh, when I had gone to England in the Air Force. And I had, I had uh, flown over and joined the group, and uh, I thought it was very cool to, to be part of that uh, trip.
0: Definitely. Uh, and
1: I was able to be with them all throughout Israel uh, and then to Rome and Athens and Rome uh, together with them. And they ended up in England where uh, my then uh, girlfriend, who became my wife, was living. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was where they first met my wife. But anyway, uh, Dad was able to lead this trip in 1991. It was his last one, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, back in like maybe October or so. And uh, then he got sick in December. So once again, I flew out to Denver. And uh, Dad, Dad on Christmas Day came. Uh, my uh, on Christmas Eve, the night before uh, Christmas, I had driven uh, back to my parents' condominium because we'd all been staying at the hospital. There was about fifteen of us that were having a vigil. <laughs> the yes. folks at the hospital were probably tired of us, but we had a room and where we could stay with Dad. And uh, it was before uh, we we did not get involved with the hospice at that time. Okay. Um, it was close, but uh, we we may have done if it had gone a little longer but uh, but, as it turned out, uh, I had gone back to the condo and called my wife just to check in with her uh, we didn 't have cell phones, of course, and uh, so uh, when I called her, she told me that uh, her mother had passed away that morning mm-hmm. in england it was It was Christmas morning in England, and it was still. About an hour left in Christmas Eve. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And that, uh, so I was shocked. Uh, and I told her, I said, well, I, it looks like dad may be joining her today because my dad had not spoken for two days. Uh, he had just been in that, that deep, deep, uh, comatose kind of, uh, situation. And, uh, so we, we waited through the day. I went back, uh, to the hospital and we spent the rest of the day at the hospital. And toward evening, when the evening shift started, we had a nurse named Sandy that came in and, uh, after her rounds and she sat with us for a couple of hours and, uh, just we talked and, and we were all having conversations and suddenly my dad, who had not moved, he was in a very deep, raspy breathing sleep, very, very, very deep, uh, uh, and and no response for over two days. Before that, suddenly my dad just opened his eyes, sat up in bed. Um, he kind of tore one of his IVs loose, uh. and and a couple of monitors because he is m- moving his arms. Uh, he threw the cover back. He put his legs over the side of the bed, and at that point, the nurse stood up <laughs> and ran over there and kind of. Braced him a little bit and said, "Ray, where are you going?" <laughs> and uh, my dad basically was doing what my grandmother had done. He was looking at something that we weren't seeing, and and he began to talk, and the nurse, you know, interacted with him and she said, "Ray, can you hear me?" And he said, "Yes, I can hear you." And and she said, "What are you seeing? You're seeing something. What is it?" And he said. It just suddenly opened up. The the whole picture just opened up to me, and I'm I'm looking right into heaven, and I'm seeing people that I know. And, uh, you know, we're all sitting in the room in shock. And uh, Dad, at that moment, uh, seemed like he was just completely wrapped up in what was going on that we couldn't see. The nurse began to just slowly ask him a few questions, and she said, are you looking for someone? And he said, yes, I'm looking for Jesus. And the nurse said, Do you find, have you seen him? Is he there? And my dad said, I'm looking, and I haven't seen him yet. So we waited a few minutes. I mean, this, this went on for a couple minutes, several minutes. And dad suddenly said, there he is, there he is. And so she said, is he calling you? Because we thought, you know, this was it. <laughs> of course. We really were expecting Dad to to do what my grandmother had done and just lay back down and, and be gone. But but he said, he looked and he said, he he just looked over here, he just is speaking to me right now. And he stood there, and he's still standing by the side of the bed. And he stood there and he said, He told me, not today, but very soon. And Dad sat back down on the bed and laid back down in the bed, and the nurse kind of helped him get his feet back in and what have you, and he was wide awake. And uh, his breathing was perfectly normal. (laughs) And we hadn't seen that for a long time, and Dad said, I'm hungry. (laughs) Can I get something to eat? Wow! And we were shocked, completely shocked, Sandra. Uh, we, we all just said, dad, do you remember what just happened? And he said, well, yeah, I saw Jesus. You know, he told me not today, but soon. And, and he still had a memory of that. We asked him if he had seen people that he knew. He said, absolutely. He had seen family members that he knew. He had seen, uh, people that had, had reached out to him. He talked about the music in the background. That was so amazing. This amazing, amazing music, Uh, Dad just had an experience that was so wonderful, (laughs) and for me, uh, that wasn't what made me believe in heaven. That was what validated, in some ways, what I already believed about heaven, and it just gave me some instruction, if you will, about the fact that heaven uh, has people that we will know, that we'll see, that we'll recognize. Um, all of those kind of things. To me, that was such an amazing experience, Sandra. And sure. that's what I shared with you, if you recall. I do.
0: Did so, you say yeah. something that he he recognized someone that he wouldn't have known was passed away?
1: I, I don't recall that that happened. Okay. Um, Maybe I'm, um, I'm reminding it
0: with that, another story.
1: That is in a, a book that I've recently read. <laughs> okay. I listen to books, actually. As a hospice chaplain, I drive around. And uh, there are two books that I've listened to recently that have meant a lot to me. Uh, one, I, I bought, in fact, about both of them, CD versions of both of these. And uh, both of them are lent out to hospice families right now. Uh, the first one is called 90 Minutes in Heaven. And uh, uh, I gave you the name and I,
0: John Piper. I let it slip. It's Dave. Don no, Piper. Don Don
1: Piper. That's right. Don Piper wrote that book, and uh, then the second book is the the one that was recently uh, in the movie theaters. Uh, the Heaven Is for Real book by mm-hmm. like Todd um, Burpo. The, yes, Todd Burpo. The thing about both of those books was that they they coincided beautifully with Dad's experience, and uh, I've since since that happened in '91. Obviously, I got interested in. Uh, you know is there more <laughs> uh, what what are all the stories about and I began to read and and all uh, I, I I've had many experiences with hospice families, but I began to read a lot of different books and uh the two books that have coincided the most closely with uh, uh what dad experienced were those two books
0: mm. oh let me just ask you going back going yes. back to your dad, how long did your dad Stay on Earth
1: yeah. after that experience. I wanted to tell you that, and I forgot about that. Okay. Uh, it was exactly six days on New Year's Eve. That that uh, six days later, uh, I was with Dad, um, and my mother and I were in the room. Everyone else was out in another room in the hospital, and uh, Mom had fallen asleep, and I was with Dad, uh, awake, and uh, I was actually reading a a book that my my wife had bought me over in England uh, called The Power and the Glory. It's a racing book. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you may know it, Sandra, I don't know. But, I don't. Uh, you know, it, it was an interesting one about the history of the Formula One and all that. But okay. I I had that book open, and I read the same page over and over and over again uh, for about three hours, you know. Yes. <laughs> I just wasn't concentrating on the book. Uh, I know that. But I, but I was concentrating on Dad. And uh, I heard his last breath, knew it was, uh, it was a moment that I have come to realize is one of the most amazing moments in life. Uh, I thought, well, when that happens, I'm going to be sad, but I wasn't sad at all. I and I don't mean to sound callous. Uh, we were prepared and we were ready, and uh, I I just was grateful that Dad was with the Lord, that he was he was carrying on with the life that that. He had lived and that his, he, his life had been fulfilled in the way that it was. And, did he get uh, to
0: enjoy some things, Steve, before uh, he did. New Year's Eve?
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, we're Denver Broncos fans, so you yeah. might have guessed. And uh, the Broncos were in the playoffs that year. And uh, as it turned out, uh, Dad got to watch one of, the, one of the playoff games in the room at the hospital. Uh, I, went, I went out. And my dad loved cherry pie. And uh they said, what would you like today, Ray? Oh, my dad, this is a funny part of the story. Sandra, and you might have remembered this. Dad uh, Dad uh wanted to get dressed. And my dad was an old-fashioned kind of pastor in the sense that he always wore a suit. He always wore a tie, at least, a shirt and tie. Sometimes he didn't wear his suit coat, but he'd take it off. But he always had a tie on. And so with all of his uh, uh paraphernalia, all of his tubes and and uh, uh, IVs and mm-hmm. and monitors and everything sticking out of his shirt. Uh, Dad got his, his shirt and pants on, uh, got his tie on, and uh, sat and watched the Broncos play football, <laughs> all dressed up. And uh, he said he wanted a piece of cherry pie, and I went out and bought a cherry pie and brought it back, and we gave him a piece. And he said he wanted a hot fudge sundae. And uh, the folks down in the kitchen made him a hot fudge Sunday. So oh, nice. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> we just loved that. But uh, And Dad and I had some great conversations in between that time. I thought I was all ready to say goodbye to him. And as it turned out, uh, uh, it was better <laughs> that I had those extra days. Sure. Uh, in the meantime, my kids had come out. Uh, because my wife flew to England for her mother's funeral mm-hmm. and, uh, my kids came out to Denver and we had them there. And it was just a, it was an amazing time. Uh, I was tired, but I wasn't disappointed. And my mom felt the same way. She, she was, she was positive about the fact that dad was with the Lord and all of our family was, um, I, I'm reminded of a, a passage that Paul had in the book of Philippians, and I'd like to share sure. uh, just the thought of it with yes. with you. Uh, he, he said uh, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, he said something like this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, and then he went on to explain that uh, he had been doing a work with the church in Philippi, the people, the friends that he had there. Uh, and he had come and gone, come and gone from there several times. And they had been friends. They had supported his work. They'd sent some offerings to him and things like that. But he said to them, he said, I'm hard pressed at, to know whether I should be uh, in heaven, which is better, or if I should remain here, which is expedient. <laughs> I think those are the <laughs> two words he used, uh, because he said, my work Holds me here, while my heart wants to be there. <laughs> right. It's an interesting thing. You don't you don't have that fear of heaven when you when you have a confident relationship with with God like that. Sure, and that's what he had. Um, many of my hospice family, Sandra, uh, when they come into the the period where I know that things are getting close, mm-hmm. uh, I often share the Apostle Paul's testimony that's found in uh, uh, the book of Second Corinthians, the 5th chapter, where he likens his physical body to a tent, and he was a tent maker. Uh, the tents that he made were not big tops or, or camping tents. They were homes that people lived in. I, I often tell people he would have been an RV dealer today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's the idea that they could pick up the tent and move it, and a lot of them traveled with their animals that they had they would find new pastures and various things uh there was a a very nomadic kind of of uh, of uh a culture uh in Paul's day and uh so he was a tent maker mm-hmm. and he said my body's like a tent um it's it's he described it as uh know, I'm trying to think of the actual words but he said he said uh uh, I'm groaning, he says, I'm burdened, and I'm groaning <laughs> in this body. And and that's how we eventually oftentimes find ourselves. Mm-hmm. But he said, I know that I'm going to have a house, not made with hands, an eternal house in the heavens, made, given to me and made for me by God himself. And that was his hope. And he said, it will be a body that's made and fit for heaven, uh, when I leave this world. And that's a, that's an exciting promise. Uh, there are also promises of a resurrection and a new heaven and a new earth. That's another story. But the the moment that Paul uh, knew he was going to be gone from this world, he had the full hope and, and anticipation and plan that he would have a new body given to him by God that would be fit for heaven. And again, that coincides with the things that I've heard in my stories from these folks that have had the the uh, near-death experiences. So, have you witnessed uh,
0: or heard any of yes. those stories uh, working with hospice about things that happened like your
1: dad at moments before? People I, to- I have heard that those kind of stories a number of times now, yeah. uh, frequently as a matter of fact. I meet people that um, they, they are obviously seeing someone uh, that is beyond this world they they are seeing family members some people say oh it's just the medicine but i don't think it is i've i've been with with folks so many times and they have introduced me to family members who are in the room with them and uh, things like that when it was just me and them in the room as far as i could see uh they were obviously seeing something that i wasn't seeing right and it was absolutely real to them uh it wasn't like it was a hallucination um I I've seen people that were hallucinated and it's a different thing, uh, than these experiences have been. I do not see it with everyone and I I don't see it with everyone that I have confidence is gonna live on. You know? Uh I sure. I just see it with some people and I don't know what causes that. Uh, it's happened in my family, and it wouldn't shock me if it happened to me, but I wouldn't expect it. Mm. There's so many <laughs> you know? different
0: people who all have so many different experiences of everything that happens in life. And right. to say that, you know, the moment of death is going to be the same for everybody, you know.
1: You just can't it's imagine not. that. However,
0: <laughs> right. me like you, I've, between interviews, and there's a a woman that gave a TED Talk, um, Mm-hmm. And she worked in hospice. I wish I could think of her name. um I'll find it though so anybody, yeah, anybody sure. listening when you go to Steve Kearney's episode, which I think is episode eighty five or eighty six I can't remember off the mm-hmm. top of my head um,
1: okay but i'll
0: I'll put the link to it because she mm-hmm. similar to what you said uh she worked with a lot of people, and you know they could see right into heaven in those final moments yeah. and they could right. they knew what time it was on the clock, they knew who was there, but then they yeah. could also see. Uh, to beyond
1: a, this world and right. I,
0: I tell you that gives me so much uh, reassurance that it none does. of us leave this world on our own I mean that there's no. love that we're greeted with open arms and just hearing right. your story of your dad did that your story of your dad help Anne in her grief at all with losing her mom uh, at the yeah, same time I,
1: I think it did by all means uh, we've talked about it many many times since then we we have an exciting thing happening her dad died on D-Day uh, on the at about two in the morning on D-Day, mm-hmm. as a glider pilot, and from the British Air Force, yeah. and we never knew where he was buried or anything like that. But I have s- recently done research and found his tomb, um, and found pictures of it. And we fi- finally had a family member who went and saw it there. And uh, my wife and I are making plans to go to France and. Uh, and actually see his tomb. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think that's going to be a special experience in our lives. And uh, we, we're we anxious to do that. We hope we can get it done later this year. That's that's what we're hoping for. That's a really nice thing. So,
0: Steve, any yeah. thoughts, um, and I know you have them because of who mm-hmm. you are, but that just can help us lead a more powerful
1: life? Be- well, one of the things that I'm, I'm convinced about is that each one of us has a role to play in the lives of other people. <laughs> i I am constantly uh, running into meeting people uh, sometimes in the racing community, sometimes in hospice and other times in other places. but I meet people who have fascinating life stories that they want to talk about. And uh, one of the joys I've had is being able to help people uh, a little bit by asking kind of open-ended questions and not feeling obligated to quickly tell them my story (laughs) but to hear and listen to their story because people have wonderful, amazing things to share. And for some of them, it's the most important thing they could do at that time because they haven't really ever had someone stop and take the time to really listen and, and hear what they have to say about their life. And, uh, having the ability to have a genuine interest in someone else is it's not a natural easy thing sometimes but it's it's one of the most joyful parts of my life and i i enjoy telling my own story but i i enjoy hearing the stories of other people and uh i think that that's one great great thing that that uh i've have had in my life you know i i i learn from other people and it gives me something to share with others <laughs> it's amazing uh it happens all the time it's just such a wonderful thing that you you hear something and immediately it seems like an opportunity opens and a door opens and there you are and you have something that has been provided that you can share that's really valuable and helpful to someone else yeah I, and uh i've been so on i some, like that
0: i do too i've been on some airplanes and uh-huh my, you
1: have, I know. <laughs> but
0: Yes, have you. But my immediate, mm-hmm. you know, the little negative voice in my mind is just like, oh, I hope the guy or gal sitting next to me doesn't want to talk. That exactly. comes up first. We all
1: feel that way a bit. <laughs> it's terrible.
0: And, and, yeah. Anyways, but then I decided to play this game that the person sitting next to me if we do get into a conversation um we each have gold for each other like there's something mm-hmm. i can learn for my life and something right. they can le- learn for their life and make a difference yep. in each other's mm-hmm. lives by having this conversation and so i have had the most extraordinary conversations with people and mm-hmm. and i certainly don't push myself on anybody or vice versa right. but to really yeah. look at every human being that we meet as they're there to contribute to us and um, right. our right. last guest mm-hmm. that we had on, uh, you're actually episode eighty six. I just forgot. Okay. And uh-huh. there was a, there was a gal mm-hmm. we talked to called uh, her name was Susan Messino on the mm-hmm. last episode, and she did some research on a cellular level. She says that our cells um, nourish and feed other cells, like they don't mm-hmm. feed themselves. Okay. It was right. it, you know I'd have to look for exactly how she phrased it but it just told me and she was even saying you know if we can make our lives about making a difference and feeding and nurturing other people i mean that's where we get our life
1: right back yes isn't that neat yeah yeah well sandra i tell you what uh you know how much i i enjoy talking to you sandra's not very available when i'm at the track and I don't mean that in a bad way. No. She is one of the busiest ladies at the racetrack. I'm when, cooking two hundred pounds there. of chicken or something
0: like that in the kitchen.
1: Yeah. And and that's Thank when you. I usually get to see her, you know, for I a moment. Know. But we always we always take a minute, don't we, or a couple minutes, to just have uh time to get an eyeball to eyeball contact and a hug and and just uh and just, you know, try to be positive toward each other and I've enjoyed that through the years uh you you're a very very uh positive and encouraging uh host by all means on this program but person in in life uh you you've done so much and uh your mom bless her heart uh I've I've loved your mom for so long. She's just a great, great lady. <laughs> she
0: is. She's the
1: best. Yeah.
0: Oh Steve, yeah. I love you lots and lots. Do you Thank have any you. any final yeah. words, any uh thing coming to mind that you might want to share for somebody, even just how to live the rest of our day to day? Anything to pay attention yeah. to or uh, well
1: I uh, I know that this may sound a little odd, but uh my my family is getting together a little bit this this afternoon. My daughters are coming. Uh, my daughter, and yes, I think maybe both of them are. Uh, my wife has been a Downton Abbey fan. <laughs> and so the girls are getting together to watch Downton Abbey tonight. It's the final episode. I'll be uh, watching it too. <laughs> yes. And when the Super Bowl took place, uh, my my kids came to be supportive of the Broncos with me. Uh-huh. And, and uh, one of the things that I would never uh, be able to replace is my family. I, I, uh, I'm so grateful for them and for my wife Anne. she's, she's a wonderful wife and she supports me in everything that I do. Um, uh, I'm, I guess my good word is, um, uh, think of the people that are the most important to you and spend some time and, and quality time uh, with them whenever you can. <laughs> Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah,
0: it sure does. Yeah. And you know what? uh, I don't want to cut you you. off, but I'm thinking about your story of your dad and wearing his suit and having his Mm -hmm. cherry pie and his hot fudge (laughs) sundays. As great as heaven may be, it is my belief, and it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. yours, but it's my belief that our experience as human beings is different. And so Mm -hmm. embrace a hug, Enjoy the yeah. hot fudge Sunday. listen right. to beautiful music, enjoy gazing across in your partner's eyes, uh, all the senses that we have, feel them fully. And I think it goes right along with um, thinking of the people that are most important to you and your family and really yeah. being there with them
1: mm-hmm. in the now. Yeah. I think there's... yeah. Yeah, making the most of every every opportunity is kind of how I see it. <laughs>
0: yeah, very good, yeah. Steve. Yeah, is there a way our listeners can get a hold of you if they need
1: to? I, I'd be glad a for them to. Or... They can they can find me on Facebook. I'm just Steve Dot Carney K E A R N E Y. Uh, if you'd like to find me on Facebook, I, uh, you'll find that I'm a motorsports chaplain. <laughs> uh, yes. Then, uh, if you'd like to get back in touch with me with email you're welcome to uh, send me a note uh, at racerev r a c e r e v at tampa bay that's one word tampa bay dot r dot com and that's my my email address Perfect. Um, so and I'd and I'd be glad to call someone back if they wanted to send me a note and say, Hey, I'm, I'd like to talk. I'd be glad to do that.
0: Thank you so, so much. And um Thank you, Sandra. Again for our listener. On if you go to we don't die radio dot com and you click on episode eighty-six with mm-hmm. Steve Carney. I've been pronouncing your name wrong, Steve. Sorry about that it's okay. all these years. Um and I'll have his facebook page the email that he just gave and also um some of the other things that we talked about all there for right. you so thank you steve Thanks. and i'll thank you sandra i'll close this episode to thanking our guest steve carney thanking you our listener for taking this time to be with us today i'm hoping it's gave you some goosebumps as it did for me and empowers you to live a, a good life a good life today In closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.